Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent conversations we've had on JM in the AM. Eighth day, recent guests of ours during a live music alert Thursday at JM in the AM. Here's that conversation on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Sun won't dry you out. Two raindrops won't end this drought. But a little bit of friendship goes a long way. If you got a friend, you'll be okay. A little bit of friendship goes a long way. It'll bring you some muscle, you'll be okay. So give me a whistle, a whistle and muscle. Give me a whistle, a whistle and click. Give me a whistle, a whistle and muscle. Give me a whistle, a whistle and click. You're down and feeling small Got a phone but no one to call When your hope has sailed away And you've got nothing to say A little bit of friendship goes a long way If you got a friend you'll be okay A little bit of friendship goes a long way It'll bring you some muscle, you'll be okay So give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle Give me a whistle, a whistle and click Give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle Give me a whistle, a whistle and click so reach out your hand To a friend, don't hesitate. For chocolate, this alert is all that it takes. Brighten someone's day, that will do the trick. Bring in some mazo, you'll bring in some glee. A bisalin mazo, a bisalin glee, I'll give you some mazo, I'll give you some glee. Bow that thy mazo, come in soon. Little bit of French goes a long way. If you got a friend, you'll be okay. Little bit of French goes a long way. Bring you some puzzle, you'll be okay. So give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle. Give me a whistle, a whistle and click. Give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle. Give me a whistle, a whistle and click. Give me a whistle, a whistle and whistle. A whistle and muzzle, a whistle and click. Give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle. Give me a whistle, a whistle and click. J.M. in the A.M. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at NachumSigl.com and the NachumSigl Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, believe you me, 
I made every effort to try to make this Facebook Live thing work this morning, but it's just, <laughs> I think I'm a little bit uh, rusty and out of sorts, but maybe we will do some Facebook Live later on. The good news is that we're ready to start our conversation with our special guests who are here all the way from California, believe it or not. Uh, one of the members of 8th Day is actually live in studio. That would be Bensi. Good morning, Bensi. Good morning. Good morning. What a great honor to be here. This I appreciate that. This is amazing. That. Who's the one who flew in this morning? You or Shmuley? Shmuley. Shmuley flew in this morning. So he's uh, he's a little, little traffic. He's making his way from the uh, airport to the studio. The story of his life, making his way from the Pretty airport much. to the yes. studio. <laughs> or making his way from the airport yeah, to somewhere. Coming. He's coming. You know, and and I don't know. There's no such thing as uh, happenstance, as we know. True, true. Um, so some of these topics I wanted to bring up, maybe uh, maybe it would be okay if I bring them up with you before he shows up. I don't know. Sure. But I'm thinking back. First of all, it's great to have you here, and I mentioned it's that it's our here. first real live guest in the last uh, year and a half, amazing. which is insane. I also I asked Avrami to look up the last time that uh, you were on the air, because I remember once, uh, I don't remember which single it was, you could probably remind us, Okay. Uh, a single was released. You you guys were on. Uh, I believe it was during one of our live lunches uh, because we 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 made sure to accommodate the people in California, not make you get up at five right, in the morning right. for that for that show. At I least. do remember that. Yes. <laughs> at least for that show. That was in March. That was eight months ago. And wow. I'm like, what? When I sent them the voice note, I said two three months ago, eighth day was on. Just let me know the date. It was March fourth. My goodness. It's a long long time ago as time continues to fly. Yeah. But I was so I was thinking of that. And and what single would that have been in March? That would have been that would have been Maybe Rolling? It probably was Rolling. Probably was Rolling. By the way, I was in Israel Monday. Yeah. Literally for a day, and I spent time at my radio station in Israel, Radio Coldplay. Rolling is a big song there. No. Yeah, Rolling is a big song. In fact, it was funny. I and here of course I'm going off on my tangents, but I got to hey, <laughs> I'm so excited oh, to tell oh. you stuff. Um I, I, one of the engineers there said, it's unbelievable how much music you introduce to us in Israel. Because I do a show there every Sunday through Thursday. You, it's unbelievable how much music that we are not familiar with. And I said, what? What do you mean you're not familiar? Like, who would you not know of that, you know, the, the artists that I'm playing here? Right. And they list some. Don't worry, you weren't on that list. You're, you're, oh, you're, 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 you're not on that list. You're, they know you in Israel. <laughs> but I said, you know, what songs from the United States are really hot right now? And he shows me a list, and Roland's on the list. I'm like, wow, that they get it? Phenomenal. Like, people in Israel get the Roland song? That's you know, don't you have to be either from the West Coast or a real full-blooded American in order to get that <laughs> song? You know I mean? Come on. That's great. So they're rolling with that over there. Anyway, so yeah, that may have been the single. So that was back in March. So I- I'm thinking, um, as you're coming in, there's so much time since your last visit. That I start to reminisce, and then of course you come out with a new CD, yep. which almost nobody's doing. Nobody's actually producing yeah, and CDs and make are... and creating a CD. Yeah, I have a actual hard CD in yeah. my hand. In fact, when I do my daily thread later, which I hope you guys will stick around for an extra minute or so, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold the CD in my hand and show the world. Yes, there's an actual eighth day CD. I'd like to know why. But why we did CDs? Yeah, because a lot of people in the in the world of Jewish music have given up on actually producing. Oh, looks good on the mantle, you know. Looks good on the bookshelf. It's a keepsake. No, it's a, <laughs> yeah, we still wanted to do uh, the physical, actual, you know, something tangible. Also, you have the lyrics inside. Right. You have the, the liner the words, notes. the liner notes. People still like that. A hundred percent. But most people aren't doing it. Yeah. So now every album that you've released has still been on CD. Correct. Right? This is not the. It's not revolutionary going back to CDs. Everything's yeah. been on CD. But I 
I digress, and uh, Ben C. Marcus is here, half of eighth day. Shmuley's going to join us. Um, as I'm going through this whole, you know, memory thing, uh, thinking back to all the times you've been on the air and all the music and concerts, and I mean, I've been with you on stage dozens of times, and I've hardly ever been on a, on the same stage with you, and God knows how many performances you've been doing over all these years. I'm saying to myself, I remember the first time someone introduced Eighth Day to me. Oh, wow. And it was somebody pretty prominent out there. And they said, you have to listen because I am telling you this is revolutionary in Jewish music. Now, I'm in this 38 years. Yeah. Do you know how many times you I've know. heard the expression revolutionary in Jewish music? <laughs> Do you know how many artists, young artists, have been quote-unquote revolutionary in Jewish music? It's a commonly used expression, especially the first 25 years of my career. It was a commonly used expression. Yeah, we, uh, sorry about obviously here. We sort of gave up on the Facebook Live for today, but hopefully next time. And by the way, Bensi was very understanding. Uh, he, could, <laughs> he couldn't believe I had to do it all myself. Anyway, so Let's give um, a big shout out to Avi Feder. Yes, Avi Feder, doing an amazing Fetter. job. When you wonder who the third member of Eighth Day is, I know there are a lot of people who can take that claim that they're the third member of Eighth Day. We know that, but Avi's one of them. Absolutely, he's one of the third members of Eighth Day. Uh, he also installed this air conditioner. If you're curious, uh, anyway. <laughs> so if you're, if you're feeling cool, you know why. Anyway, Thanks, and this board, right? He, he installed everything. Great here. job. I don't want to insult ZK, but he installed everything that was here. Anyway, so <laughs> revolutionary in Jewish music. And I'm rolling. Wow. I'm rolling my eyes and right. saying, "Oh boy, this is gonna that be, one. This is gonna be a tough listen because obviously it's something that's off the beaten path." Right. Now, what year was that? How long ago? This story is likely when your first CD, your first single, your first entry into this. 2005, maybe. Okay. So that so so that is what 17 years ago, 16, 17 yeah. years ago, right? In that area. Can't believe it. It is hard to believe. 16, 17 years ago, and look what's happened. Eighth Day has not only proven to be a commodity that lived up to revolutionary, but but I might argue, and this to me is the most important point, one might say Eighth Day is mainstream now. And I wondered, Oof. as I'm thinking this, because if you think about the artists that now are making an impression on the new generation of Jewish music, I mean, you've got a lot of... A lot of out there stuff that's become mainstream. Yeah. I mean, I can start listing. It's not important to do so. And and by the way, I would do it with pride. There are a lot of people that do different things yeah. than what we're used to who are has, now. It has evolved. Pretty, yeah, it's uh, really evolved. Yeah. And by the way, you have mainstream artists who are inviting the non-mainstream artists to do material with them, which is another you know level to the whole thing. Like yeah. they, they want to be part of the whole thing. Anyway, so my question to you is, Mr. Historian. Okay. Could it have happened in any era? In other words, are you lucky that Eighth Day happened in 2005, 2006 because music in general, and obviously the Jewish music industry, was ready for this mapecha, was ready for this revolution? And if Eighth Day was in existence in the early 80s, they would, they may have sat in obscurity, and I can name you some sure. of those groups a great that question. sat in obscurity a great in that question. era. What do you think? So, great question. Um you know, we were influenced by Diaspora Yeshiva Band, Magama, right. um, uh, what's his name, uh, Yisroch Piton, right. Raya Mahemna, I, Piamenta. So funny. As I'm doing this whole rap, I'm thinking of Raya Mahemna. It's so funny you're yeah. saying that. Yeah. yeah, right. So it's a great question. Um, obviously, I don't know for sure, but I would speculate that you might be onto something. And I think those guys sort of paving the way for us, 
you know, first of all, influencing us right. and, and, you know, showing us what's possible. Right. But, yeah, they may have uh, paved the way for, you know, guys Agre- like us to, Agreed. to come over. Yeah. But everybody you mentioned ended up with a very loyal niche in Jewish music following. You guys have gone beyond the niche. You guys, look, if I'm walking into an Israeli radio station, you know. That's pretty cool. You know, and they're telling Shem. me that Roland is Roland, you know. <laughs> that is a cracker. I mean. I love it. You know, and, and by the way, obviously the internet, everything, it all helps. I mean, I'm sure you're getting gigs in corners of the world you never would have gotten 25 right. years yeah, ago, right? that's right. Now that's, of course, yeah, yeah. YouTube and. and uh, of course. Yeah. I and mean, you're in everyone's living room on everyone's phone, yeah, which is changer. amazing. Yeah. And you're doing it really well. The way you do your social media. Thank the way you. you the way you do your updates and all that. Thank you. Thank you. You're doing it really well. The, the purpose of this trip is, is this a simcha? Is this a concert? Uh, What's going on this summer? Uh, yeah, we're doing uh, some private gigs. and uh, Eighth days in the private, private gig events, realm. Private corporate What is events. the story with that? <laughs> <laughs> Eighth days in the private uh, every, gig category. Every, every artist is in the private Oh, really? Business. Is that true at yeah, this point? Yeah. We just, uh, you know. We popularize and 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 uh, you know market the the, the good looking stuff. Can, can you get me but, into uh, those gigs, please? We don't mind. Sure. <laughs> can you include me? No in those? problem. The private gig market has become <laughs> has become uh, uh, a reality. Boy, it's yeah. funny. So you'll be in people's backyards. You'll be in corporate the boardrooms. Sure. And you'll be, and you'll yeah. be performing. Yeah. Those gigs. Wherever they'll by let the way, us play, we'll play. Those gigs ain't as fill in the blank as some of the fifteen hundred people. You know. It's different, you know. You're you're making somebody's simcha, you know. Right. You're making uh, yeah, but a simcha is different. If you, if it's really a simcha, then I get it. Like if you're doing private gigs and it's a wedding, okay, that's cool. But when you're asked to come to someone's backyard for an event and you're competing with the buffet, you know, it's you'd be surprised. Really? Yeah, yeah. It could be like a nice vibe, a wow. nice Hamish, a nice you know. You're more chill than I thought. I'm very chill. <laughs> I'm very chill. Speaking of chill, is he going to show up Shmoli or not? Because <laughs> as chill as you are, he's yeah. like Mr. Chill. Yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll work on that, keep huh? Keep an eye on the traffic. But yeah, no, he'll be here soon. By the way. Avi will keep us posted. Avi will keep us posted, and Avi will make sure to throw you out at the appropriate time. Uh, <laughs> Shmoli will walk in at the last minute. And, and I'll, of course, have this inclination to just extend the show for another hour and a half. Why not? Nice. Anyway, um, earlier, I was playing eighth day music. Because I said to myself, you know what, if these guys are running behind schedule, at least let's give the 8th Day fans that have tuned in a little taste of uh, you know some of, the, some of the hits that I love. So, Oh, wow. Let's hear it. Miracle of Light. I mean, is it he? Is it Shmuley who came up with Blow Smoke in the Face of Darkness? Or was Absolutely. it you? Absolutely. And, and I think we discussed this before. It's one of the most powerful lines, I believe, line. in Jewish music. Wow. And, and by the way, you know what also makes it powerful? And kudos to him for including it. And really, kudos to you for including it. It's not an obvious line on the surface. In other words, you have to think about it for a second before, you know, does it make sense? Can you actually blow smoke in the face of darkness? But, of course, with all the different meanings that it's got uh, and all the different things that smoke and darkness can mean, obviously, you know, it fits right in. That's Shmuley's, his talent is spinning a lyric, spinning a line, taking, you know, something that might seem obvious and then, you know, kind of giving you a new spin on it, a new angle, and... uh, very fresh. How how very t- fresh. How his... tough is it when he hits a road a roadblock or he doesn't really hit a roadblock? Like a writer's block? Yeah. Uh must frustrate you when you're anticipating something or you want to get something down and it's I don't know if that's been an issue. I think um with every album, you know, with this album it was in the middle of a pandemic, you know, every album has its challenges. Right. Uh we spoke about this a few times. I don't know if we spoke about it with you on the last one. Could it be. Was, it was literally in the middle of the yeah. pandemic. 
you know, he couldn't. And in California, uh, it goes on forever, the pandemic. Well, they locked down, and I mean, here also, you had yeah. similar. I know. We just like to make fun of each coast. Of course. Know? When we're here, we'll make fun of them. And yeah, that. exactly. If we ever come out to you guys, we'll make fun of each coast. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you couldn't uh, be in studio with other musicians and right. engineers. So, um, But that was only a few months, I hope. Like I, by the time you hit the summer, it, I hope you were able. You're still. still I mean, it, there's no lockdowns now, but people are wow. still a little bit, you know, not sitting together. Got to wear a mask, whatever. Oh gosh. Yeah. I was I was in a stadium in the midwestern part of the United States a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Sixty thousand people. You know how many masks? Zero. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Mm. I mean, most most of the country right. are, is like that. We're so unique on these two coasts. Yeah. Aren't we? Yeah. California, yeah. New York are you know yeah. different world. Um, so yeah, okay. So there's no real. So it's not like you're anticipating, you know, that that you know. Every so, I would say there's more like producers block. Right. More like you know, where do we go now? How do we stay fresh? How do we you know? Because yeah, Baruch Hashem, the ideas are, the ideas are there. Every album, there's always uh, you know. Listen, life is colorful and exciting, and yeah. you know, living. Uh, with your family and the kids and traveling and, and you know, Shmuley is a shliach. He's, he has right. a community. Yeah, you always tell me that as hard as you work, he works twice oh, as hard because of yeah, his uh, he's nonstop. His involvement in the community. Yeah, he's nonstop. He's uh, amazing energy. By the way, only because you'll appreciate it. Yeah. Thursday night of Chayisara, I went to the Rebizol. Oh, wow. Yeah. First of all, I thought there would be a million people there because it was a shluchim conference. But then I called Zalman Schmutkin, and he said to me, no, nah, no, nah, the big crowd is Friday and Saturday night and right. Sunday. You can go Thursday night. So. <laughs> you, you beat the rush. So I beat the rush. Anyway, I walk into the Chabad house okay. that is attached to the Rebizol, for those who are familiar with it. And um, you know, for those of you who are wondering why I was there, as, you, as many listeners remember, my father was very, very close with the Rebbe. Sure. And do you know who's buried right near the Rebbe? Rabbi Gordon, who... I was in school with his kids, and we were in the same neighborhood growing up. And you, you know who I'm talking about, of course. Actually, you're related to him somehow. No, so he's it, Benny's grandfather, right? So, so you're related to him in a crazy way, right? Ben, from Benny's right. uh, mother's side, right? So you're not really related to him, right. but, but you get my point. Yeah. First person, I open the door to Beit Chabad, which I'm sure you've done a million times, and you walk in. First person I see is Rabbi Kunin. Oh wow! And I'm like, wow! That's great. I was so thrilled to see him. You can't imagine. That's oh, great. and of course he's. And, and the night before, I was at a wedding, and I saw his grandson-in-law, whose name I can't remember this moment. I think I can't remember his name this moment, but I'll try to look it up. Oh my gosh, time is flying. We got to get to the music. Uh, so I, 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 and I, and I, and his grandson-in-law is starting a new Chabad house in Lake Arrowhead, California. Okay. You know where that is, even? I do, of course. You know where it is? Yeah. I thought it was some obscure little town somewhere. Yeah, it's, it, it is a small town, but it's beautiful. It's up in the mountains. And I Very say, I just there. saw your grandson-in-law. Amazing. He's so happy. Anyway, so that was my uh, that was nice. my, that was my California moment. I love it. The head of California Chabad was you the first You never know person. who you're going to meet uh, by the oil. That's, by the that's, way, uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, that yeah. is an understatement. Baruch Hashem. Anyway, so now- you at some point during this pandemic say to your brother, "We've got we've got a great song here that you wrote somewhere. I need words, and that song is called Lucky." Who comes up with this whole concept, and why? I need to know. Has this song made such an impression on the Jewish music world? You know, I don't know. I, I can't. I can remember working on the song. Shmuley, I think, came up with the idea, and uh, we were working on a few songs. It was a, a like a writing session we did. Yeah. 
I mean, like we we tracked ourselves, made these little demo, you know, like pre-production uh, versions of the song. And maybe a week or two later, I was like listening back, and I called Shmuley. I said, "This lucky, uh, just something there." It was just a. He really... was already working with the word lucky, like he was. Yeah, I mean, we'd worked on the song. Right. We had like a rough version, right. you know. And um, I mean, we had a few. Let me see. We have uh, what do we have here? Well, I'm looking at the lyrics before I even look at the list of songs. I'm looking at the lyrics to Lucky, just to see, you know. If I get it, like, I mean, the theme is obviously we are lucky and everybody could wake up every morning and determine, you know, hundreds of reasons why we're lucky. Yeah. Lucky to be alive, lucky sure. to have a family, lucky to have our health. Uh, you know, uh, my dear friend, Mayor Weingarten of Blessed Memory used to say, you wake up with your health, you've won the lottery. Exactly. So, you know, we're lucky. And I assume that's the theme. You know, so you wake- the, the lyrics of the chorus, uh, playing our notes in the symphony, making the world what it's supposed to be, which is uh, you know, a music reference, right? But uh, right, but I'm saying it's right. the specific shlichus mm-hmm. of every Jew to make the world a you godly place. You take your mission seriously, and like, how lucky are we? We get to do that, right? And uh, and then the second half of the chorus, making our way through history, living right where we're supposed to be. So a lot of people thought it meant living where, like a place. Ah, it's when right in, in history. Look what we right. were in history. That where we are. That we get to be this generation. Hence, and, and hence how lucky are we? How I started this conversation. You were at the right That's place right. at That's the right, right time. Lucky are you. That's right. The right place Indeed. at the right time. Bensi's here. Shmuley will hopefully be here at some point to say hi to us. Ten minutes away. All right, we'll get a few minutes with him yeah. when he arrives. But meanwhile, I got to play the song. It's called Lucky. It's brand new. It's eighth day. We're celebrating the release of a brand new album called Lucky. Why is there an album as opposed to just releasing singles? We'll find out. That and much more if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
JM and the AM, yeah, lucky. We're lucky to have Ben C. Marcus in the studio. Eighth day is in town, believe it or not. And if you contact us, we'll let you know how to reach them if you need to uh, hire them for uh, some, for some anything while they're here. Nahum and Nahum Siegel.com would be more than happy to forward that to all the appropriate big shots. I mean, people like Avi. Uh, do you ever ride on planes? I, I've seen people sure. with all the with all the travel I've had the opportunity and the privilege of doing. Uh, many times I'm traveling with people in the Jewish music world, especially if it's an event you know out of town, and they're often writing stuff. And I I actually can tell you which albums I know of that have been arranged on airplanes. Nice, you know now with with the iPad and everything, it's it's really easy. Sure. Um, and you're actually writing music on airplanes? You're not just chilling out and relaxing, huh? Airplane is the best, one of the best places to write because it's just your. You can't shut play out. your guitar. Well, lyrics, you can work on lyrics. You could work on, you know, song structure, if that's uh, a word you're familiar with. Well, to me, that means arrangements. Yeah, well, yeah, like you can, uh, you know, tweak things around with the lyrics to tighten up the chorus or whatever. But it's the best place to write. It's just quiet. You're, you know, you're not, you know, now they have Wi-Fi on planes. But right. No wonder. You're, 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 lot, you're shut out from the world. No wonder you're always traveling. <laughs> you like to write. <laughs> well, you know. But uh, it, inspiration can strike at any time. Right. You, know, you got to be ready to just get the pen to the paper. If you're getting a good idea, you right. do not want to lose it. How bad is it when inspiration strikes on a three-day hunt? Of- <laughs> yes. That's that's that, rough, that has right? Happened, yes. On the first day of a three day, right? Yeah, you get that. You try to sing it to yourself. And like remember, 10 times. and remember, you're surrounded by by Jewish lyrics during Yontif. Like, you're, I mean, the the right. tefillahs that you're yeah, doing sure. and the songs that you're singing at the table and the different Torah people are giving you, like, you're getting ideas all over the place. Yeah. And you can't and, do and, much. I think it. I can remember one or two times that I thought I had a great idea on Shabbos or on Yontif. And then I was like, oh, I'm totally going to remember it, <laughs> saying it to myself, and then the next day, that ah, You gave yourself hints to try to remember it. Yeah. It's impossible, my gosh. All right, so we should make this clear. So we, we, we already established that you produced the CD, but you know the reality is uh, that there's 11 songs on here. There's a real album. Yeah. Some of these were released as singles. We mentioned Roland and, I guess, Ella Cadamea, right? Right, right? Those two were released as singles. Everything else is completely fresh and brand new. Um, so this is, and again, we did the CD part, but why... An album when, again, what seems to be the trend is artists will continue. And by the way, it looked like you were on that trend to just continue to release what I guess we'd call singles and videos, right? Basically singles and videos. Uh, Why this? Why this product? So as you could tell from Roland and Elicot de Mayer, we were very influenced by what was happening at the time. Keep on rolling, you know, push through. Positive. Uh, Yeah. Elicot de Mayer was, you know, answer us in our time of need, obviously. So the thought process was, oh, first, oh, here, so let me back up a second. When we released uh, El Code de Mayor, that came right. out first. Right. The response was like, it was, it was different than usual, you know, release. Like artists were, were like, it was almost like, we need this. You know, it was like, uh, thank you. And um, so that's kind of, that pushed me like, okay, let's do the whole album. That would be the first COVID release, El Code de Mayor. Yeah. Yeah, that was really in the beginning. Um, so, if not for COVID, we wouldn't have a full album, or you were no, not- I wouldn't say that. But right. the, that sort of that so that got the ball rolling, right. rolling, rolling. I like <laughs> and, that. Um, <laughs> and then, um, as we uh, you know, we're writing more material. I started just feeling the 
sometimes it just starts to feel like a unit. It starts to feel like this is its own thing. You know, just not just one song, not just two songs. Oh, uh, the kids will never understand this. How albums yes. were albums. Yes. Right? I mean, I could go through every group that I know of that really concentrated on albums yeah. being thematic. Yep. Even if it wasn't obvious to the listener. To them it was obvious when yes. they created it. Yes. And it wasn't it wasn't on purpose. Right. We, you know, we did do two singles. Um but uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 trying to remember what the like chronological order is of the song of I the creation I, of the song. I can't remember, but it definitely started to feel like we definitely were in a certain place, right? With our inspiration and you know pushing Hope. to get this done, yeah. And and it, it started to feel like a unit, like this is an album and should be released as an album. Well, we heard Alakad the Mayor uh, obviously many many times, and we've heard the Lucky many many times, and we've heard. Um, Roland many, many times, and even Trach Good to an extent. Give me one that we should play right now for the audience that's completely brand new that you want to speak about and uh, and uh, feature. We are getting incredible feedback from this song. Which one? Uh, I'm Sticking Around, mm-hmm. which uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, it's a very kind of stripped-down arrangement. Not a lot going on. Guitar, a little bit of strings. And again, Shmuley with the lyrics. He spins a lyric like nobody else. Uh, it's about the Torah, learning how, you know, the Torah just, you know, uh, there's a line in the chorus, you drop your manna at my door, keeps me wanting more and more. <laughs> and uh, that's, that kind of tells it all. You're lucky to have him with those oh, clever yeah. lines, boy. Oh, oh, yeah. And manna, by the way, in my opinion, it means more than one thing in that regard. Of course. Yeah, that's the whole thing. The manna was in itself was right. like a multi-layered thing. Plus, he made kemach in Torah and the exactly. whole. You know. I'm so glad that I get the eighth day philosophy. <laughs> it makes me feel like a <laughs> genius that I hop some of this stuff. Here it is. It's called "I'm Sticking Around." Eighth day live in studio here at JM in the AM. Fast food, fast cars might be their obsession But I'm sitting here with your prized possession Your holy words, they never get old Finer than wine, colder than gold I'm sticking around and you're the reason You give me a hook and I sink my teeth in You drop your manner at my door Keeps me wanting more and more I'm sticking around and you're the reason I'm sticking around and you're the reason You give me a hook and I sink my teeth in Your words are diamonds in the rough I can't ever get enough I'm sticking around and you're the reason I'm sticking around and you're the reason Jet planes and trains may take you many places I'm happy here with your scrolls and pages Their restless hearts, they wander out all night But your tree of life is my greatest delight I'm sticking around and you're the reason You give me a hug and I sink my teeth in Your words are diamonds in the rough I can't ever get enough I'm sticking around and you're the reason 
around is right amazing lyrics great song it's eighth day brand new jam them live music alert thursday we will get to a live music selection don't worry uh waiting for shmully to arrive it should be here in about a minute or so no joke seriously he should be here soon you made a point to me off the air uh, ben c marcus that i think is so important for people to know and that is that you continue to discover how much people from around the world not necessarily jewish people are starting to appreciate jewish music and yep. that must be and not just your style of music i think you mean that across the board yeah I Which is pretty cool. It seems like there's a trend. For sure, the internet and uh, you know all the the avenues that that offers yeah. is helping. Uh, you know, Jewish music is spreading further and wider and uh, bigger audiences. The, the it definitely feels like the Jewish music uh, world is expanding fast. Yeah, no and question. that's a beautiful thing. No beautiful question thing. about it. It's it's beautiful, and uh, <laughs> and like I said earlier, it's uh, getting people gigs in corners of the earth they never yeah. would have dreamed about. Uh, I guess that's the trade off with the with the album market not being what it was. The trade off is that you know because of the the world that we're in, but the trade off is you get to be popular and get gigs around the world. Which normally you wouldn't. And here he is, and here he is in the cap of the enemy. Here he is in the cap <laughs> of the enemy. What I used to call the California Angels, uh, but apparently you guys now call them the Los Angeles Angels or something like nah, that. We don't call them that. What do you call them? We don't call them. We're, we, we don't talk. We're wearing Angels hat. Yeah, what's with the Angels? I'm not into sports. We're <laughs> Dodger fans. He, he didn't even know that. Yeah, it was, yeah, he doesn't even know they are. Shmully, shockingly enough, did not even realize he's wearing a, a baseball cap from an My American son League is team. Here in yeshiva. He asked me to bring him his hat. And that was it, huh? This is the hat. So I didn't, what team <laughs> That's is this? hilarious. Is it possible he meant a different type of hat or no he way? He said the Red Angels hat. This <laughs> oh, is okay. it. Uh, you got it right. And you got the right one. Yeah. Welcome, Shmully. Thank you for spending oh. at least 10 minutes with us here at J of the How was your flight? Fantastic. Yeah. There is such a thing as a fantastic flight? Yeah. F- frankly, with my... Uh, with my um, 
<laughs> frame, there's never a fantastic flight, ever. No matter what department, no matter what the section of the plane I'm in, there's no such thing as a you fantastic. You only go first class, I assume. Well, not you. I mean, sometimes I'll go business class, but uh, but even there, uh, it, since we're getting into it, and this is the most important topic of the morning. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I was just on a flight this past week from Israel. When I'm in a seat, no matter how big the seat, I can't move. Now, imagine being on a plane for 10 hours and you cannot move whenever you're sitting. I would assume that someone like you or other normal human beings can, yeah. you know, move around a little bit, you know, adjust or shift, but that doesn't happen with Nowadays, me. you have to wear a mask and you have yeah, to it's tough. make it crazy. Uh, big thank you. I was waiting for you to arrive. Big thank you to Eighth Day. They were, a, they were the central part. I said this to you guys in March. It was a central part of Kosher Halftime Show 2021. Yeah demonstrating again that they're willing to to sacrifice their time for everybody to have a good time and to see a good time. And Mayor Kay and all of us, are just I mean, it was just such a funny bit, and the entire thing was just great. great. So thank you very, very much for that. Thank you. Uh, much appreciated and great to have you. We have not seen each other, as I was telling your brother, in a long, long time yeah. outside of, uh, you know, um, outside of these conversations we've had on the air a couple of times. We haven't been in touch at all, so it's great to reunite in this way. And to Shmuley, I'll repeat what I said to Bensi, Mazaltov and the brand new album. Thank you. Pretty amazing. Yep. Aren't we lucky every time we wake up in the morning? Aren't we lucky every time we wake up in the morning and we're healthy? Aren't we lucky every time we wake up in the morning and our family is healthy? Wouldn't you say we've hit the jackpot every time we wake up in the morning uh, and, and those things have occurred? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, have I think to... there's two ways of looking at something. It's just a side point. Yeah. I didn't think of this before. But... You could let's say you have to do carpool. One of the things I do is carpool. Yeah, that's where you with pick your up kids. You drop off. Yeah, kids. I know what carpool okay. is, carpool. but between music and yeah. the shluchas, yeah, I do you're carpool. doing carpool. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, okay. So you can, can we either get, can we get someone else from the could... California Chabad to do the carpool? Yeah, go ahead. So <laughs> there's two ways of looking at carpool. Either it's like, oh, I gotta schlep these yeah. kids to school. Yeah. Or you could look at it. Out of all the people in the world, guess who can take these kids to learn Torah? Me. I was like, you're like lucky. So you can look at two things, yeah. either that it's a burden or you're lucky. Can I can I add a point to that? Sure. Because I used to do carpool in the afternoon. Was not able to do it in the morning for obvious reasons. And I would say I'm lucky because this is time I get to spend with my kids that yeah. I would never be able to exactly to spend with them. And, I, and by the way, and they know it, even when they were in high school and I was doing it, they knew that it was so important to me to do that carpool every day just to interact with them. And obviously, you come from the same uh, angle. So there's many Jewish songs that are, you know, Asherecha, you know, yeah. the ones who get to, you know, be in the base of Migdash all day, Asherecha. So in here, you'll see it has Lone Soldier, Uber Driver, Part-Time Graphic Designer, right. Wedding Singer. Whatever you do, ashrecha. What was the uh, product placement cost for Uber on that one? Did they? Did they give Lone you? Did they give you a hefty royalty on that one? Um, I believe so. Yes. <laughs> Free rides for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine that Uber made it instead of Lyft just because it sounds better in the song. I can't yeah. believe that. <laughs> there must have been a there must have been a business decision there, no? That's the thing with songs, is the song dictates. Yeah. You can't really dictate to a song. You're trapped in the lyric. The song really dictates what uh, what's gonna happen. We were talking about the brilliance of your songwriting and mm. I mentioned earlier, since Hanukkah is coming up, I again brought up to Ben C because I think you and I have discussed this in the past, that the line of blow smoke in the face of darkness is one of the most deep it's one of the deepest 
and most incredible lines in a Hanukkah song, in my opinion. And we went through, you know, some of the different interpretations, or at least, you know, I, I alluded to the fact that I think there's a depth to it. And uh, you, you remember writing that? You remember I, coming I, up with it? I remember the idea behind it is that the, the it's actually a, a, a discourse from the Rebbe, a mimer. Wow. Where the Rebbe says the difference between the menorah and the Beis Hamikdash was and the Hanukkah and the Hanukkah one was indoors right there are many <gasps> differences and one's wow, outdoors oh yeah that's pretty so, bunch of thought of yeah that. if you <laughs> see the the houses in the old city yeah, they outdoors. have the outdoor that was original correct so the Rebbe says that there's two ways of interacting with darkness one is you could stay in your base Hamigdash stay in your house and kind of shine as strong as you can to the world but the menorah of Hanukkah actually interacts with the darkness. That's why you only light it once it gets dark. And it can change darkness into light. It's, wow. it's like So that's the idea of both smoke and the face I of darkness. Love it. Your, mm. I love it. I love it. Amazing. And with that, I wish you a happy Hanukkah. Shmuley and Bensi are here. It's eighth day <laughs> as we celebrate the release of an 11-song CD. Some of the songs you've heard, a couple of them have been singles, but there's a lot, a tremendous amount of fresh material on it. You can go to their website, myeighthday.com, myeighthday.com, and check it out. And they're, of course, all over social media, and they are traveling now on the East Coast because they've got some gigs. We were privy to the information from Bensi that some private yeah. shows are going on, some simchas and other events. One of the things you, um, one of the things you missed was my uh, my brilliant uh, my brilliant deduction that uh, that it, it, if years ago Eighth Day would have had its own niche of Jewish music fans, you know, like and I, we cited some of the groups that that did have that benefit back then. Today, it's amazing how you became mainstream. Today, it's unbelievable with your style, and and now artists like yourselves and others, as I said to Bensi, are being encouraged by quote unquote standard traditional artists to perform with them. They want them on their songs, which is Pretty remarkable. So Eighth Day is uh, really enjoying worldwide acclaim at this point. And when I was first introduced to Eighth Day, as I said earlier, I think I rolled my eyes a little bit and said, really? Are they the next best thing in Jewish music? Because I've heard that line a few times before, that this is going to be a revolution in Jewish music. But Baruch Hashem, you guys have proven it. What can I tell you? You agree that uh, Nachum is a big part of it, where where he brings... Jewish music to listeners, you introduce your audience to new things. Oh, you're, you. you're a big, I appreciate tremendous that. part of it. And you feel that from 3,000 miles away normally, huh? Yeah. I mean, you can just look around this room. You could see <laughs> it is real what you do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all I could say is that uh, we've always tried to be influential throughout the entire country. If you're telling me that people in California realize that this studio is instrumental in bringing Jewish music to the masses, I We'll take that compliment. Absolutely. I thank you for I that. I concur. Thank you very much, Bensi. <laughs> and I've been grilling Bensi for about uh, 40 minutes no, here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bensi, he's, for holding he's it taking down. All, he's taking, taking all the, the heat. heat. Oh, taking man. the heat. Walking that into- is the hot seat. <laughs> Bensi's sitting in the hot seat. You're walking into all the compliments. This is great. Are you kidding? He, had to sit through, he had to sit through my story about going to the Rebizoa last week. I mean, I'm telling oh, you. Yeah. You can't yeah. imagine what's going That's on great. here. Anyway. I'm going to need a nap after this. Today's the anniversary of the Rebbe's marriage. No. Wedding anniversary, Yudal Kislev, today. Big day. Yesterday, when Rabbi Kanelsky was on, we were talking about Yudal Kislev, which ah, is coming right. up Monday, I believe, or yeah. Tuesday, Monday Monday or Tuesday. night. Monday night, right. Mm-hmm. Someone you're also barely related to is coming in to speak Sunday night on behalf of his from Ringen. Who? Modest Friedman. Why are we barely? He's our uncle. Oh, so who were you barely related his to? His wife. No. Who, oh, Rabbi Gordon, you're barely right, related right. to. Right, right. We so were talking Benny's, about Rabbi Gordon. Benny's, Benny's 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 Benny
and uh, and you guys are barely related. But Modest Friedman, you're really related. That's our uncle. And, he, and you think you're here coming to the East Coast? He's also coming to the East Coast this weekend. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> anyway. He's a great guy. We, he's going to be here live in the studio with you? No, he's going to be at Rabbi Kanelsky's from Reagan Sunday oh, night for your test got it, got it, got it. So we were talking about it on the air yesterday. Beautiful. All. all right. We did promise. <sighs> this clock has just ran away with this show. It's amazing. We did promise a live music alert Thursday. Yeah. Shmoley and Bensi have chosen a selection. Oh, yeah. It is one that you'll find on the brand new album. It's also one that Bensi has already told me has made an impression not only in the Jewish music world, but musicians in the quote-unquote non-Jewish music world have said to have said to you and Bensi that there is something, as great as the Eighth Day songs always are, there's something about this song musically that's extra special. Wow. So... Keep that in mind as you listen to this. Uh, live Music Alert Thursday. We're talking about a song called Lo Alecha. It is included as song number five on the brand new album entitled Lucky. And you are listening to JM in the AM. Eighth day, take it away. Not every tune I write is a hit song. Not every swing is a home run. Here's what you gotta know before we get started. Oh, you win some, you lose some, there's pretty, there's gruesome, there's lows and there's highs, hellos and goodbyes. You win some, you lose some, there's pretty, there's gruesome, there's ups and there's downs, but don't turn around. If you hear me singing this song, you know that I'm trying All I've got's this promise to keep fighting I don't have a pretty picture trophy smiling If you hear me singing this song You know that I'm trying Oh, you know the highest, highest to try. Oh, you win some, you lose some. There's pretty, there's gruesome, there's lows and there's highs. But don't say goodbye. You win some, you lose some. There's pretty, there's gruesome, there's lows up and downs. But don't turn around If I hear you singing this song I know that you're trying All you've got's that promise to keep fighting You don't need a pretty picture trophy smiling If I hear you singing this song I know that you're trying. Oh, Eloi, Alecho, Amelacho, Ligmoy, Eloi, Ato, Benchoy, Livatay, Vimeno, Loboy, Alecho, Amelacho, Ligmoy, the highest, highest to try. Oh, Eloi, Alecho, Amelacho, Ligmoy, Eloi, Ato, Benchoy, Livatay, Vimeno. The highest, highest to try. The highest, highest to try. The highest, highest.
Unbelievable. 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 Thank you. Do you know how hard... Oh, I still have my reverb on for you guys. Do you know how hard you have to rehearse to be able to do that on the spot? You must have prepared really well for this tour, (laughs) to say the least. I I would say one of the things working with uh, a brother is that we kind of can finish each other's sentences. We, We can... Like yeah, if you want to go to the chorus, verse, skip the verse, verse. Yeah, skip, you know, it's very, you can but, just look. But and, still, mm-mm. when you're walking in here and doing that whole thing by heart, a new song, mm-hmm. and I know for artists, right. they're sometimes using cheat sheets five years later. I, if, I would have opened this right. if it was closed. I'm saying yeah. that you're that you're doing the whole thing by heart, and they're so tight, and he's doing the harmonies mm-hmm. and then taking over the lead vocal mm-hmm. in such a seamless way, it's obvious you guys are working really hard. Simple as that. He gets the credit for that. Yeah, and uh, now nah, we just breeze in here, <laughs> just play some songs. This is what off happens. the cuff. The guys got on stage for forty minutes. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's their whole existence. What can I tell you? You're from California, where 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 everybody knows that one hour of work is not really one hour of work. It's, right. it's about fifty hours that go into that one hour of work. If they know it anywhere in the country, it's there. Thursday morning, JM the end. Big thank you to Eighth Day. I can't thank you guys enough for being here. Um, Congratulations. Best way to buy this. I mean, I guess that, you know, I guess the next generation is simply going to all their usual uh, Apple music and places like that, right, to get it. But I guess for some of the people tuned in right now, we should say that if they've got a Judaica store near them, they'll find an actual sure. CD. Yeah. We'll go and, to the website. The website's got yeah. lyrics. There's the whole links merch and thing in there. Yeah. There's some, I should have wore the sweatshirt. What is the, the myeighthday.com, right? Myeighthday.com. Yeah. Got to get Nachum, uh, eighth day. Uh, yeah, we got some nice new uh, lucky, Triple XL, lucky please. shirts. Triple XL, if you don't mind. We got it. Yeah, we got it. Myeighthday, eight is with the number eight, myeighthday.com for all the information. What's the hottest item? Is it the shirt that's the hottest item now? Lucky, yeah, the lucky that's shirts. That's the one I oh, Yeah, those are popular. Everyone feels lucky if they have a lucky shirt. Very nice. And if you woke up this morning and uh, you have your health and your family has its health, then you're lucky. Here's how I want to wrap up. Our app is blowing up, as you could imagine. A million comments since you walked in, and because I'm alone this morning, you know, we're not going to get to everything. But someone did ask specifically if you could explain the words to Una Messer. Is that the right pronunciation? Oh. And I figured yes. what we'll do is we'll explain, we'll say goodbye, and then we'll play the song so people okay. will understand what's going on. So this is one of your unique selections on the brand new album. Mm-hmm. What could you tell us about it? Mm-hmm. I would say that one of the things that we definitely enjoy doing when it comes to Jewish music, we grew up on Jewish music being based on psukim. Right. A lot of Tehillim. A lot of Tehillim <laughs> and things like that. Right. Uh, or a hope for Mashiach, right. a, a, a beauty, beautiful song about Shabbos. Right. Um, you know, real things. But the question is, is there beauty in just carpool, for example? Just, you know, cleaning your Sim- garage. Simple existence. Sim- just, just things that are not... Right. Super holy. What seems to be mundane. Exactly. And there is a beauty in it. And we do that with several of our songs. This is one of them. There's a beauty in the childhood that we had. Our our dad, mom and dad, you know, they speak Yiddish. And we grew up with stories of tzaddikim. We grew up in this wonderful, uh, you know, world. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that my dad would do is he would say this Yiddish phrase that sounded like it was Spanish. And apparently, a lot of people did that. Ona meser esta aquí. And he what would does say it, it really mean? Ona meser, without a knife, est aquí. That's how cows eat. You speak Yiddish? 
No. Onameser means without a knife, estaki. That's how a cow eats. So it doesn't mean anything in Yiddish. It just sounds cool. Onameser estaki! One second. I'm so confused now. The this fr- is a Yiddish. It is a Yiddish yeah, phrase. Yeah, it's a Yiddish. Uh, basically, if a kid's eating without utensils, eating with their hands, you're going to say to them, you know, this is how a cow eats. That's basically what's going on here, right? Yes, I know. It's more than that. It's just, it just like, fine gone from the on fine. Oh, it just, it's a tongue. It. It's just fun to say. Right. But not only that, it could be like, um, you know, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. If you're going gonna, gonna, gonna to eat without a knife, then, then right? Like, We're pushing it like that. But re- right. I think got in it. its natural state, it's just right. fun to say. Got it, got it, got and it. It's... And it sounds like it's Spanish. Yeah. Now I understand the listener who's confused. Exactly. I'm being explained what this is going on. I don't get it. All right. So, And, the, and this ends up being the theme of the of the of the uh, um, the lyrics of this song, yeah. So the, the album is kind of thematic of right. right. lucky, rolling, exactly. It has a lot around. of so this is more. Oh, 100%. Look in the mirror. Right. Are you a mensch? On a So it's a way of also you know. Little, I love it. Throw something back for for. Uh, I love for, it. Yeah, he did well on that explanation. I mean, that's really. I, like, I feel like I'm starting to get it myself. Tribute now. to our great. father, our childhood. <laughs> Betsy ben, and I are sitting here as students, <laughs> listening to the teacher explain <laughs> yeah. it to us. This is it's great. Cool. Keep going. Yeah, I like it. Exactly. I it's, like it. Um, I can't thank you enough. Mazal Tov to Eighth Day. What number album is this? Not that we're counting. Because years ago, if someone would have, you know, I'd be rolling my eyes about the revolution in Jewish music. Well, now we could say, yeah. This was some revolution. What number what album is this? is this? Avi? Is it nine? Nine? This is the ninth. Yeah. Nine complete albums. Yeah, this is the ninth album. That's something. Is Baruch that Hashem. Songs? I mean, almost 100 songs. It's like yeah. 10, 11. You're rolling. We are lucky. We are rolling. When you're in the car, I'm assuming you're traveling together now. When you're, in, when you're in the car, make sure Bensi tells you about the rolling story that Nachum told him about Israel. Right? Yeah. If you don't mind. Incredible. I mean, Shmuel, we can't catch you up on everything right now. I mean, come on. You know Listen. what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> God knew which of the eighth data said here earlier, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh. He, he, he knew which one would hold down the house until you got here. <laughs> anyway, uh, as usual, an absolute delight to see you, gentlemen. Likewise. I want to wish you continued success. I want you to stick around one extra minute because the daily thread, everybody out there gets my daily thread. There are going to be two extra people in that thread today. Usually it's just me. Usually mm. it's just me. You see my WhatsApp status? It's usually me. Today, they're going to be... Two people, in addition to me, plus maybe a guitar and maybe an actual CD. That's cool. That I'll hold up. Love it. Yeah. And it's got to be less than 30 seconds. Otherwise, my social media people freak out. Uh-huh. So I've got okay. to be on. Okay. I hope, ta- I hope it's going right. to be a one-taker. I hope. But I can't promise anything, Betsy. And the way you're looking at me, I'm feeling very pressured now. No, <laughs> we got this. We got this. <laughs> anyway, so we'll take care of that. And uh, anybody who's on our uh, email list, you'll be receiving that as part of our uh, daily thread later on today. Not that it's the biggest deal, but hey, we're going to take advantage of the fact that we have people in the studio. Uh, A live music alert Thursday with 8th Day. The brand new album is Lucky. Check it out by going to myeighthday.com, myeighthday.com. A big mazel tov to Bensi and Shmuley. And we'll play that song on a messer right now for you as we wrap things up on a Thursday at JM in the AM. On a messer.
the line For everything there is a time So let's find out from the old fine A little bit of fun is fine Heart and soul they must align Together this one time Let's find the old fine On a pitch black night, he rode a horse of the purest white. He knocked on the door, kind of prison afraid. In his hand, a bag of money. What shall I do when the money runs dry? Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky. What shall I do when the gold runs dry? Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky. They surrounded me. The 
These three words they set me free When you got no strength and you cry and please Lost in the forest can't find the trees Here's what you do when the money runs dry Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky Here's what you do when the gold runs dry Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky the mayor yet another selection from their brand new album boy that was amazing huh what a visit what a visit big thank you to eighth day on a thursday here at jm and the am big big thank you really remarkable that was my conversation with eighth day rabbi nachman seltzer was on recently to discuss the book the insider here is that conversation. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, a recent guest on JM and the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. JM and the AM, thanks so much to Rabbi Goldwasser. And I remind everybody as we uh, speak about another amazing Shar Press Art Scroll release, when you go to artscroll.com and you look for the brand new book by uh, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer called The Insider, the book is called The Insider, uh, for both that book and any other book, at artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. That's the bottom line. You always want to use promo code radio. When you use promo code radio, you get your massive discount plus free shipping. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to take advantage of an amazing bargain? Well, uh, the book is called The Insider. Famed war journalist Yisrael Katzover, who's also known as A. Pierre, uh, and his unforgettable adventures and encounters with Gedolim, and world leaders. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachman. I feel like I didn't leave. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, it was actually a topic of conversation with somebody last night about the speed with which you're releasing books. I mean, you must be you must be drowning in a sea of interviews and information in order to release them at the pace you're doing. Can you grab my hand, please? <laughs> Uh, and it doesn't end, because from what I hear, there's more coming. Something you're going to like very much is on its way. A bunch of things, actually, so stay tuned. We don't want to give it away over here on the show, but uh, if I was with those people, I would actually put you on with them, because I know how much you like when we do that. Interesting. All right. Well, what can I say? We'll wait for the big news and congratulate you on yet another 
uh, interesting and fascinating release. It's called The Insider. Yisrael Katzver, obviously, I mean, I guess a lot of it, as you indicated in the book, was through Zoom because of the period of time that you were doing these <clears throat> interviews and doing all this research. But you must have spent a tremendous amount of time with him, uh, and that in and of itself must have been an incredible experience. It was. And I'll tell you, the, the most amazing thing about this man is his humility. Wow. That's, it's like, here's a person who, who literally traveled the world in the presence of prime ministers, Gedele Yisrael, kings. Uh, you know, and, he, and he's just the most humble, down-to-earth, self-effacing person. The most the biggest bamidas mensch. Well, the guy blows me away. Yeah, I mean, and it comes through uh, in his experiences. And, and a lot of it, and look, you and I have discussed this topic before, when you come to people who have... Uh, unique backgrounds in multiple areas, when one of those areas is, in fact, steeped in our tradition, when you come from a family that is so dedicated to our heritage, when you come from uh, uh, when you come from a town and end up living in neighborhoods that attract Adola Yisrael, that attract Torah giants, uh, you're talking about a completely different type of experience. Uh, what, what some people would think you know, would be the most important thing, the fact that he was a journalist, the fact that he uh, hung out with the people that you described, um, it, it seems like the the Torah and Jewish angle always is able to temper one's ego and temper one's enthusiasm for all the other stuff. You get what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying. I mean, you you grew up, you you live on the Lower East Side, right? Well, I didn't grow up here, but here since I'm married, you, right? I'm saying so. You've been there for a long, long time, surrounded by the gedolim of of the Lower East Side, and they've had a tremendous hashpah on you. I mean, saying that that's something you you know the the, the Feinstein family, you know them well. Right, hundred percent. So I'm saying, that, yeah, hundred percent. Look, the fact is that, that Rabbi Saul Katzover had the zechus of sharing his his room with the Belzareb. Right. See, that's what I mean. That's he what I mean. In his room. Wait, when you, when you are when you are literally sharing a room with and meals with and watching how your parents deal with those Torah giants, you get a completely different perspective of what's important in life. Frankly, that's right. All right. Plus, he walked around. Thinking about his brother all day long, right. the brother that he uh, never met, and and that is, look, I you know I said to you off the air, I read most of this book in Israel because I knew I had to prepare for this morning. I was landing this morning. Uh, I, I'm sitting in a cab reading that chapter, and it, it's heartbreaking. I, I say to myself, if I was a parent in that situation that thought they were doing something good for their child, leaving him in the hands of people that they felt you know they could trust, and in fact you know. Hours later, so to speak, that child is missing forever. I mean, how do you continue with life? How do you go on? Yeah. It was very hard. They, lived, they never stopped living that. For the rest of their life, that was something that was part of their life, and they never, you know, it's obvious. They and, lived that, and, yeah. And what, the Belzerebbe, his mother, his mother, the Belzerebbe offered his mother, I'm talking about the previous Belzerebbe. Right, right. The, the uncle of this Belzerebbe offered his mother a, a bracha. And, he, and what do you want? She said, I want a bracha for another child. And he said, and he didn't give her a bracha for another child, but he said, this son will be like 10 sons. And Rabbi Saul Katzover really is unique, and he's completely, is really a completely unique person. And I, the reason why I even decided to, re, to reach out to him, and I reached out to him, was because when, when, when uh, Hosni Mubarak died, the, who was the head of Egypt for so many years, Rabbi Saul wrote a, a, a very big article in Amadiyah, that all his interactions with Mubarak. And I was fascinated. I said, here's a person who traveled, who was a guest of Mubarak at his palace in Cairo, who, who came together with Mavadi Yosef to the palace. 
And he's like, this is a person who's a walking history book, but in the history in its best sense. I have to talk to him. We have to do something. You know what's interesting about that whole area of the book, by the way? People don't realize that areas that we always thought were off-limits, like you just mentioned, the president of Egypt, right? Uh, off-limits, and that Jews wouldn't be welcome, and that you know there would be a, um, uh, there would be a stigma <clears throat> if somebody, in fact, would reach out from Israel uh, to somebody in Egypt at the time. And we don't realize just how much interaction there was and just how much yeah. you know, behind-the-scenes uh, movement there was on so many different issues that were going on. And, and Mubarak did believe, by the way, that the bracha he got from— it was from a Ravad Yosef, the bracha he got? Yes. That yeah, he, he yeah. really did believe that that's what kept him in power and kept him alive for so many years, right? Right, which yeah. Is, which is pretty— It was very close. <laughs> just, <laughs> they just, had a close relationship. Yeah just, yeah, just one tidbit from the book. All right, we, we got to give a little overview here. So, so how does Katzover— uh, end up becoming, you know, somebody from the Torah background we described and somebody who has a tremendous appreciation for our tradition and heritage. How does he end up becoming such an important uh, um, a war journalist, uh, defense ministry journalist, uh, somebody who's really in the know on so many things going on in such important eras in modern Jewish history? All right, so first of all, remember, he started in the beginning. So back then, there wasn't any there, wasn't, there weren't that many people doing what he was doing. So he started 60, 55, whatever, 55 years ago. Right. So he started as a young journalist. He worked his way up. So that's number one. Number two, he grew up in Katamon with Bibi Netanyahu. Right. So he's a personal friend of Bibi Netanyahu. At his 70th birthday party, Bibi couldn't come, but he sent him a video talking to, you know, he's come to his simchas, and they're, very, and they're friends, they're close friends. So that's the number two. Number three is... When, when you're a person who, who stands by your, your beliefs and you're consistent and you're moral and people know that you're a person who doesn't budge and you're trustworthy, and it's not that you're doing things for scoops, you're doing things because you believe in them, then you have a reputation and people want to work with you. And four is that we have the story with Rabin and how he brought down the government. Yeah. And that's something that no one ever did before. And he brought it down as a civilian. Why did he bring it down? Because of Kavit Shabbat. Right. America sending F-15s to Israel for the first time, and Israel's making this huge, huge party and this huge thing, and it's going to happen. Mamish, when Shabbos comes in, he saw Katsuver leaks it to the press, which he was not allowed to do, gets in trouble for it, doesn't care, listens to Abavadio, gives him his adracha, and then what does he do? He submits a no-confidence motion in the government on Sunday morning after the whole event. And Rabin's government falls because of a from journalist who brings it down because of COVID Shabbos. And what he, what he, I assume realized, but um, but maybe not on that on the spot, was that that whole attitude, everyone's um, requirement, so to speak, from that point forward to pay attention to Shabbos, to know that Shabbos and Yantif to an extent is always going to be part of the equation as the Israeli government goes forward. I, I think we could cite plenty of times since then that Shabbos has been a factor, and, and it probably all emanated from that episode. Definitely had an effect, for sure. It, it, the government fell because yeah. of somebody who said, I'm sorry, you're being Mechal Shabbos, and it's not okay. There's no reason for it. If, if it was from Kuch Nefesh, I would not say anything. But there's no reason to make a party and, and cause thousands of people to drive on Shabbos, and it's an official government thing. And Rabin was very upset at him for many years. Yeah. He wouldn't talk to him, and later Rabin definitely wouldn't look, at him, look him in the eye. And eventually they made Shalom, and he brought him to the Gerar for a meeting, which he arranged. Right. But, and it's, an, it's a fascinating story. But that led to Begin's government. 
And yeah. Begin knew who brought down the previous government. And he said to him, what do you want? Like he's offering him a reward. And Kassover doesn't take advantage of this. He could take advantage of this reward. He says, I just want an interview with you. Right. You understand? But that's his gastrus. <laughs> Begin is offering you a reward. You could do, you, you understand what that means? I owe you. What do you want? Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is here via, is actually with us live via telephone. The book is called The Insider. It's a book about famed war journalist Yisrael Katzover. It's a brand new one from Shar Press. You can go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. You know, everyone has their perspective. It's funny you, you, that you happened to mention just now about, you know, the, the whole Begin recognition that Katzover brought down the government that led to a Begin government. You know, there, there are a lot of theories why, how Begin, in fact, won that election. There are a lot of theories, and some of them, you know, don't include what you just mentioned about Katzover. So it's, it's funny. I shouldn't say funny. It's interesting to read for those of us who are somewhat familiar with Six-Day War, Yom Kippur War, and, and the post-years of those wars' history. It's interesting to read his perspective on it. With that in mind, um, when you read about, you know, what he felt was the, the, um, the strategy or the outcome of the Israeli relationship with Egypt post Yom Kippur War, I find that fascinating because I, I I don't know how many people would have granted Egypt the right to declare they won that war, but it's the fact that they think they won the war that led ultimately to a peace treaty with Israel. Now again, I, I'm not one to argue with Katzover. I I trust what he says, but I never had heard that perspective before. Right. He has a lot to say on Egypt, you should know. <laughs> yeah, boy, he, he spent a lot of time in Egypt, didn't he? He spent 35 days that first trip right. and could not get out because until they finished making the deal, and it was a crazy trip, and he's, there's a great picture of him on a horse near the pyramid. Right, so that. It was just a fascinating trip. But, but he's just, like I said, he's been everywhere. He's been to China. He's been to Russia. I love this story. He says he goes to the Kremlin. He's meeting right. Putin with a bunch of journalists, <laughs> and Putin gets up, and he goes into a fighter stance, and he says, you think I'm a tough guy? Why do you guys write I'm such a tough guy? I'm not such a tough guy. I'm a nice guy. Why do you guys write this about me? And he says to Katzover, you know what I like to eat, he says? He says, I like to eat matzahs. Right. He says. And Katzover, and the other Israelis don't understand what he's talking about. <laughs> he says, he says matzot. He likes matzot. Why does he like matzahs? Because Putin was taking care of his neighbors were from fa- or Jewish family where he lived, and they took care of this little kid whose parents worked late, didn't have any money. They used to feed him. He grew up with a taste of matzahs. The chief rabbi of Russia gives him gives him matzahs out of your mazer. Yeah, you understand this amazing. It's amazing stuff. Right. It's funny that how much how much stuff, including your work, is revealing more and more about Putin. I know I'm I'm raising a side point. But it's funny as the years go on and everyone wonders about his uh, control over Russia. It's funny to hear more and more about his relationship with Jews, Jewish community, Jewish journalists, as you point out, etc. Yeah, which is very interesting and funny when you think about his background, uh, you know, in, in the Soviet Union and then and then uh, yeah. eventually Russia. It's, yeah. The whole thing is hilarious. Mr. KGB, yeah. Mr. KGB, Mr. Stalin loves Jews. What yeah. are you going to do? <laughs> How funny is that? Uh, but that's uh, that's that's a Kaddish Baruch Hu's world. It's funny, is right. Katzover felt the need to actually um, uh, write under an alias. I thought it was for a. <laughs> I thought it was for some, you know, remarkable, um, uh, uh, knew some secrets that he couldn't reveal type reason. The real reason was that there was a conflict of interest between, I guess, essentially doing radio and writing in newspapers, yes. and, and he had to separate Correct. the two, right? Correct. Yes, he had to write. He needed a pen name. 
So for those so for those of you who think it was ego that created the pen name, or it was you know knowing top secret information, it was simply out of convenience to make sure he can maintain the two jobs he wanted to maintain. Right. That's uh, correct. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting as well. Um, what was the what to him was the I mean you interviewed him and you did all this work with him. What to him was the highlight of his career? Would he say? Would he? Would he ever indicate that there was one episode or something that you know stood? I mean, there's so much stuff in here; it's crazy. And every era in in you know the last fifty years is covered. Uh, is there anything he pointed out um, that was ooh, that was highlights? I think I think one highlight was bringing down the Rabin government. Right. I, think. <laughs> yeah. I do. I feel that to him was a huge moment. That was big. Uh, I think he loved doing the Meitzadas Mirot on Kol Yisrael. Right. And, and I, the big. I should he mention. loved that. He I, loved that. He was, it was. It became this thing that everyone was home that night when they would announce the winners, song of the year, singer of the year. Everyone was home listening to that show, recording it. That was a big highlight. Uh, you know, there were so many things that he. That were, I'll tell you. To me, what a big thing was. I mean, what he did with Ariel Sharon. I don't know if you read the chapter, Nachum. When Ariel Sharon, when 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 the Erloy Rebbe comes over to his house on Tisha B'Av night, right? Because. He wants to convince Ariel Sharon not to do the disengagement. Right. To me, that chapter was, that's a highlight. Here comes, oh, the, he's a neighbor of the Erloi Rebbe. Tisha B'av, the, the Rebbe does not speak normally on Tisha B'av. But he comes to his house and he's crying because we have to call Ariel Sharon to prevent the disengagement. And Catherine has Sharon's number. They, they know each other. And, he, and he's like, but, uh, can you imagine? Someone says, no, call president, the president of America right now because I want to, you think not twice. You think a hundred times before you call the president. But he did. He called him. And I and Sharon answered. Yeah, and I remind everybody that that disengagement took place right after Tisha B'av. And it did. He did not convince Sharon. And what got he cried to Sharon, and Sharon was not convinced. And what got me about Katzover, and this is a quote on page three thirty-two of your book. What got me about Katzover was he reaffirmed everything I had heard from anybody in that generation who knew Sharon, including my father. He said, uh, there were plenty of articles where I spelled out exactly how I felt about him, that he was a man who couldn't be trusted. And that is why, frankly, in that one sentence, that is why people of that generation who knew him were not surprised when he called for and ultimately carried out the disengagement because they knew that ultimately they could not trust anything that he said, which is so sad, but a, a reality for those who knew him at that time. Well, it's a reality today also, Nachum. Uh, meaning with certain political figures? <laughs> I mean with politicians in Israel who promise the world and then do the exact opposite of what they say they're going to do. So there you go. Yeah. Tell nothing me... changed, as someone else said. Yeah, nothing changes is right. It's all the same. Uh, tell me about Rabavadja's Pesach. You have a chapter about it regarding Gilad Shalit. I wanted to concentrate on this a drop because so many people from all different generations remember this situation, remember the scenario and obviously celebrated when eventually so, so he, he was released. He said that, was, I think it was, was the, the psak was that if it's going to cause a, 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 if it's causing efforts to the soldiers, Ravadi was not in favor. Right. And Ravadi was not in favor. You, you can't kill a whole bunch of soldiers because of one soldier. Ravadi right. gave the psak. Right. Yeah. But he was not sure to put that in, you should know. He wasn't oh, sure. And oh. I was like, I don't see any problem with that. Oh. I think to me, if Ravadi passed that, it doesn't, you know, that's fine. Right. The reason I was surprised it was in, and it's funny you say that he hesitated about it, 
is because um, you know th- there, there's never definitive information. You know, we always talk about that you, you release 500 terrorists. You know, you assume that they're going to repeat their actions and and that and that Jews and soldiers will be in danger. Uh, but obviously, there's no proof to the fact. Uh, so I, I thought that that psak was interesting, and uh, and I'm and, and I'm fascinated to hear that he hesitated to put it in the book. Yeah, he wasn't sure if Aryeh Derry would come across looking not so good. I said, uh, I don't see any reason why that should be a problem. And Rabbi Vadya said, look, if you remember, when Nachshon Waxman was kidnapped, right. actual operation took place on a Friday night, which mm-hmm. actually was not far away from my yeshiva. I was learning in Sarotsky, and it was Bokhtal Hill in Remote, where he was being held captive. Right. I wanted to say, when the team of Sarah Matkal went in to get him, they had bad information. The door was much thicker than they thought, and people were killed. Well, people were very hurt. It was gun battles. I think people were actually killed. The point is, and they killed, uh, they killed Nachshu Waxman. So the point is, Abavadi was very hesitant to, to allow soldiers to be killed based on information that didn't, you know, he doesn't want to put soldiers in danger. He was very careful about the lives of soldiers. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, tell me his impressions of some of the things going on today. The Iranian nuclear program, right? One of the biggest debates is how the United States should be handling that and whether it should be a deal with Iran or not. What does Katsover say about it? I got to tell you, that was something to me. I said, I said to Rabbi Israel, okay, we, we've we've covered so much, and this you should know, there's a, a lot more which he wanted to talk about. Which I said, you know, it's not for this book, and it, it, it's like other things. His 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 fascination with history with with Columbus. We right. had a whole piece on Columbus, which we didn't, which I didn't put in the book. There's tons of different things. Which uh, Vasco da Gama, there was a Jewish person, official, supposedly was part of his boat that went with him <laughs> unbelievable stuff and he's an expert on all this stuff and there's an a, and, the and there's of a, india and there's a debate if columbus is jewish at all that there, there was a debate with yes him, right? and he, i we brought proof to this it was a whole right. thing which in the end it didn't really fit with, with what the book is about because it's all it's contemporary but it, but uh but he's an expert in all this stuff and i said all right look let me start. look we have to i want to me out of you know i'm familiar with a, a nice amount of israeli history and and some of the operations the Mossad did over the years. And to me, the, the, the biggest, most successful, most daring operation, audacious, chutzpahic operation, is going into Iran, going into Tehran, and walking off with all of their records of atomic nuclear. That is such chutzpah. I said, I want to share this operation with, the, with our readers. Can you get permission from the censor to give them the whole story? And he sends in a detailed operation to the censor, got permission for most of what he wanted to write, and then we wrote the operation pretty much from beginning to end, as much information as I could put into the book, because he knows a lot, a lot of things he's not allowed to say. But most of the operation, almost almost everything we were able to put in. And I just wanted to give people a detailed operation from his perspective. And, but he knows, like, he, to answer your question, the man knows everything. And he's, he also knows what he's allowed to say, and he never looks for scoops, so they can trust him. What, but per- he knows. <laughs> what percentage of the real story, and again, that's an operation that everybody listening should remember because it just happened, basically, right? Happened toward the end of Bibi's reign. Uh, what percentage of that story do you think, uh, it, it, what percentage of the entire story were you able to print? You're, you're going with 50? The majority of the story. 75%? You, the main issue that I couldn't print, and the main issue which he would not say, is how did the team get away from Tehran? How did they actually get the files out of Tehran, right. and there are many different theories. And uh, I would, uh, from what I understand, again, I'm not, I can't say this is conclusive. I don't have proof. But I think, and this is what I think personally, is that they got it over the border to the neighboring country, 
and which is not far from from Tehran. It's about 45 minutes away. That's what I understand. Most people believe, most journalists believe that that's how they got the files out of Iran. But you should know, within a very short time, the all of uh, hundreds, I think, tens of thousands of Iranian security were looking for the Israeli team. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable story. I said, so we have to put this into the book. And he, he said, okay, let's, he loved the idea. And, and we just put it in. And I'm know? so glad that you're presenting it in this way because the Iraq nuclear reactor and Tebi, uh, Six Day War, I mean, and, and so many other, you know, uh, Shalit, uh, so many other operations and situations and episodes that, you know, ha- had real decisions to be made and obviously were life and death in many instances, like you just described. I'm sure that was a life and death mission, obviously. Uh, for those who tried and successfully got if those, they would have been caught. Yeah, it would have of been Definitely life and death. So yeah. it's yeah. Un- and, and so all of not all of us, many of us always think that you know th- that those types of actions and those types of stories were reserved for thirty, forty, fifty, sixty years ago. You know, in the heart of modern Jewish history and the formation of the state of Israel and the capture of Yerushalayim. The reality is, with the one you're describing, just happened a couple of years ago. Which is unbelievable. It's happening now, and it's happening right now. Exactly. We we, for, Today. we forget. We hear about Turkey, and we hear about, and we hear about uh, you know other other areas of the world where certain things happen. We we don't realize the level of execution, the level of intelligence that is being utilized in order to continue uh, to exist as a state of Israel. Uh, by 100%. the this is always the problem with an interview like this because the truth is I want to bring up every single story you write in the book <laughs> and, and it's ridiculous because <laughs> we got to encourage people to buy the book so I'm going to stop myself. Don't worry, we're just touching. This is the tip <laughs> of the iceberg. That's true. That is true. It's a 400-page book, everybody. So it is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, they should look. They, the, your your listeners, if they're interested in the in the Shazite Svi era, right. they should read the book. Right. That's that's crazy. Uh, Just that alone. Imagine that. I'm Ima- not getting into it. Imagine a, a, a story about somebody in the 20th century and 21st century, and that and you say that that and that that era will will come to life. You know, if people read the I'm book. I'm telling you right now that he has people. He has tens of thousands, about hundreds of thousands of people who follow and consider Shabbat Shalom to be their goggle today. Unbelievable. And, and it's 2021. I remind everybody. <laughs> 2021. <laughs> because the Balkans, Turkey, Greece. Even in Israel, there's a Moshav because that, that, that has a carbon Pesach, right? Because they believe in Shas Tzvi. Because we went ahead and uh, and just assumed that that entire movement had died down, and had had exactly the opposite happen. Um, it, it, one of the things I found interesting in the book, and this one, I, I I would love to have a panel of people from that era to sit here and discuss it with, is the impression of Shimon Peres. I mean. You know when you when you speak to, uh, when you speak to a uh, an observant person about Shimon Peres and his attitude toward you know Torah heritage, our people from a religious standpoint, etc. It's usually not favorable, but in your book, he's got some kudos coming to, coming to him. Uh, Shimon Peres is a person who's shanui b'machlokes. The thing about Shimon Peres is that if you speak, it, it depends if you know who Shimon Peres was or if you don't. Even if you know who Shimon Peres was, there's still a black stain against Shimon Peres, and that is the fact that he was the, the, the architect of Oslo. Right. So that's, uh, that's a problem. Peres created Oslo. But if you leave Oslo aside, Peres did more for the, Israel than probably almost anybody else. From and not from. For the from, he has the, 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 the Koylos, the B'nai Yeshivas, a lot of it's from Peres, the funding. Not just that, he built the country. 
But I, I want to take it a step further, and I, and you're right about both those things. I'm, I'm not minimizing either of them, especially the building of the country. But the the impression always is that he's anti-Torah. The impression always is that that there, there's no substance to his own tradition and heritage, and and just where he comes from and his attitude that you describe is is very different from what many of us uh, have always felt over the years. It came from many Gedalia Yisrael said it about him. He quoted many Gedalia Yisrael. He told me from Shach, he said he heard it. He heard it from countless Gedalia. The Mashiach of Paris is the person that because of him, they, they, the Kailos were able to be funded, the Yeshivas were able to continue, and he did it because of his encounter with the Chavetz Chaim. Unbelievable. The whole thing is incredible. A real, a genuine encounter with the Chavetz Chaim. Correct. Right. Not, not a dream. You a, see what, a real you see encounter. what the Chavetz Chaim that's to right. do one meeting with the Chavetz Chaim that's to do right. for a person, that's real power. That's charisma. Yeah. That's, that's a real doddle. You meet with someone for a few minutes when they're a little child, and 80 years later, it's changing the face of Kla Yisrael because of one encounter with you. You understand this? No question about it. It's, it's really remarkable. Um, I'll tell you, when he, when he gave you all this information, it must have been very difficult to organize because I, I would imagine some of those conversations were all over the map. Uh, well, actually, he would. We would take a topic, and then he, we would just. We pretty much, you know, go through the topic, and then I would mark what topic it was, what, 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 er, what era it took place in. We were. I tried very much to keep it as and he as was, as possible. And he was. But, a, and he was able to stay focused because even in the book, it's funny how you sometimes will write a story that you're admitting is really a tangent, but you felt it was appropriate to, you know, to include it in that area. That's me. That's my, <laughs> that was my executive decision. Don't blame him. I'm, I'm at fault. <laughs> I got it. I just thought you were reflecting the way things went with him when you were doing all the research. Uh, ladies my, and gentlemen. I take responsibility. Say it again. I'm sorry. I take responsibility. <laughs> take he responsibility. is focused. <laughs> it is I who chose to do that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, the brand new book is The Insider. I mean, we literally have just touched on some of the topics. I'll tell you one thing and I want to emphasize. For those of you who have always been fascinated, and I say this because I know that our audience is filled with people like this, by details of the Six-Day War and some of the things that went on uh, in the background that proved to be really important, and then details of the Yom Kippur War, where, again, details became so important in terms of the war and in terms of the war's aftermath. You'll love the book for that, uh, but there's so many other things. I mean, you're talking about a variety of topics uh, from so many different eras and so many different episodes and with an incredible history that only Yisrael Katzover, known as A. Pe'er, uh, the famed war journalist, uh, can possibly share. It's his unforgettable adventures and encounters with Gedolim, with world leaders, but way beyond that, with so many people who had a role in uh, in modern Jewish history, at, in both the Torah world and in the world of the state of Israel, and really, I would say, the Jewish world in general around the globe. Rabbi Seltzer, that's not a uh, an exaggeration to say Jews around the world, right? No, not at all. And don't forget his connection with the Rebbe of Chabad. Right! Don't forget that. That was also a fascinating uh, uh, chapter to read. It was, uh, it, and, and by the way, he was he was... How do I put it? i got to be very sensitive how I say this. He was prominent enough in the eyes of those who ran Chabad headquarters that he even saw the Rebbe once the Rebbe was not well. And I think that that's... Correct. Yeah. Not just that. He helped the Rebbe. He sent... Right, he, he gave sent the, the medical doctor. advice. Right. He actually, they actually sent the doctor in the end, right? A, a person to go and work yes. with it. Right. They, he gave them medical right. advice based on his own experiences with his father. Right. And he was very close to them. He, they... they 
he was Mamish an, an insider in 770 also. Yeah, 100%. And they and they appreciate it. Look, the Rebbe, as, as, I mean, for those of us who, you know, <laughs> my, my father, as many know, had uh, had a very close relationship with the Rebbe. He appreciated those who who were able to keep things close to the vest, right? Secrecy and uh, uh, it was always important to him. And those who un, who had a keen eye and ear in terms of what was going on around the world uh, in different Jewish communities. And Katzover, boy, does he fit that description or what? I mean, so, so, the, the, the many gedolim they they would reach out to Yisrael Katzover. And they would ask him to give them, to, they would consult with him about many things. And they would send him on, mis, on missions. He was the, the perfect person. He was situated exactly in the right place to be the conduit between so many different key people in the firm world, the non-religious world, the army, politics, diplomacy. You name it, he's there. Radio, uh, uh, media, it's, it's incredible. You know, and all the entire time with humility, humbleness, shy, special, us, beautiful Jew, a beautiful youth. Shema Yisrael being said at the beginning of the broadcast day in Israel on television is because of him. Um, and right? Am I right? Yeah, it, yeah, yes. And he was the one who came up with, the, with, that, with that award to right. give out. He's the one right. who came up with the concept. Yakira Yerushalayim. And, to give out. and in the 1980s, I, I think it was the 80s, maybe it was already the 90s, when Mitzat Hazami wrote was really, really hot, we here at the radio station would do everything in our power to get a hold of that weekly list and then get a hold of it. Like, that's how important it was for, you know, I, I remember young artists who were either in Israel or bridging the gap between the U.S. and Israel. Their dream was to be part of Mitzat Hazami wrote. So th- and they would come to him, and he was so nice to every artist. It was like, you know, you know I, I worked in the music industry for many years. We used to do interviews because of the choir. Right. And I could tell you from working in the music industry, it is a tough place. Yep. Okay? It's not a sympathetic, and in Hebrew, sympathy. Sympathy is a low. But you come to, to Rebbe Saul Kassiver, and it's like you walked into the office of your uncle, of your favorite uncle, and all he wants is to help you be Matsliah. Yeah, they're very true. And the way you describe that is pretty amazing. Uh, and how do you? What about the fact that where Rabbi, you know, that this rabbi comes into his office and gives him a song and he tries to help him, right. and then the rabbi says, "You know, I, I think it's not for me. I'm going to do what I'm doing." He says, "What do you do? What's your name, Rabbi Kahati? I'm going to keep focusing on my mishnayos that I'm writing." Right. Uh, and for those of you who know uh, your Mishnah history, Kahati is a very important name in uh, in that history. Um, where is he now? Yisrael Katzver does what this moment? Yisrael Katzver is busy being a military journalist at Ayomazeh. He's busy going here, he's going there, he's traveling. He's, he's part of, he's Hamadiyah's military journalist, and they send him on missions to, to, to different army bases. And he, uh, at the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, he's meeting with the chief of staff to, to, to get the, um, you know, what the, the, the normal, traditional, good, a good uh, new year from the chief of staff, from right. this one, from the minister of defense. He's uh, but also, but also doing I, his job. But also, I think he was concerned with and arranged chauffeur blowing in different bases and, you know, anything he could do for his soldiers around Yontif time, etc. I, 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 I forget. I read so much of what you wrote. I'm, I may be mixing up things, frankly. <laughs> but, I, but if I'm not mistaken, that was part of it, uh, that he wanted to make sure everyone had what they need uh, as the new year and as Yontif started. Um, I think you're quoting from the Yom Kippur War. When he met with Rabbi Piron, and Rabbi Piron was right. telling him what they planned on doing for Yom Tov. Right. That was before the war broke out, and right. suddenly 
before they knew it, they're, they're, you know, Israel's completely under attack, and he almost died in the Yom Kippur War. Right. And that ha- was the moment he almost died. Correct. And, and one of the things that, that fascinates many of us is the start of the Yom Kippur War. I learned a couple of things in your book that I did not realize. Again, getting it from his perspective made me think about the, what was going on that day and, frankly, the days before the Yom Kippur Wars. I, I, I can't— well, they should Well, remember, Nachum, he's the insider. Right. I can't recommend this. I can't recommend this highly enough. Uh, so the book's not finished because if he's still working, there'll be plenty more to write about him. I guess he's down the road, he's still kicking away. He's yeah. still kicking away. I mean, still Casper in his house in Katamon, still, you know, has the numbers of everyone. He showed me different uh, correspondence with different key people. Uh, you know, things which I had my this private stuff. Which, but I, I could just tell you that he's 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 still in contact with the highest echelons of government. As is Rabbi Grossman, as right. is as, Baruch Hashem. What can I tell you? It's a the Shemai to be close to people like this. So, yeah. uh, the, the, the people who shape society and shape what's happening in the world, it's beautiful, it's special. It's yeah. such special people. Yeah, no question about it. You've had a unique privilege, to say the least. Um, it's called The Insider. I've held her by Seltzer a lot longer than I originally told him, so I am apologizing yeah. to him. Uh, it is called The no, Insider. What are you talking about? No, come on. You know, it's like we're I, friends. We, I, we, I know. we get together, but, we. But I we don't want it to. We don't want to finish. But I also know your afternoon schedule in Israel is not a simple one, so I appreciate it very much, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. The book is called The Insider. Shar Press, Misora Publications. Go to artscroll.com. Check out the brand new book. Use promo code Radio for your discount and free shipping. I cannot recommend this book highly enough. You will be more educated about modern Jewish history. You've got all the other great things that you'll get from this. The most you'll get about what it's like to to live under the. Uh, uh, under the leadership of Gedoli Torah, etc. But aside from that, you will come away with a, a knowledge of modern Jewish history that is better than m- with what you went into it. Uh, Rabbi Seltzer, Big Yashikach, and Mazel Tov on the book. Thank you. Rabbi, Thank you so much for having me, Nachman. A pleasure. Always a pleasure. A real pleasure. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, the book is called The Insider. Go to artscroll.com, use promo code radio. I cannot recommend this book highly enough. And by the way, the majority of this book I read on the way from Bnei Brak to Yerushalayim. And it was pretty interesting as I'm traveling along a road where there were some pretty severe battles uh, during the Six-Day War. I'm saying to myself, wow, excuse me, to be more accurate on that road, the War of Independence, I'm saying to myself, wow, I feel like I'm living history as I'm, as I'm, uh, as I'm driving through this area and at the same time reading this book. Pretty surreal experience. More coming up. You're listening to a... Uh, Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at the Nachman Segal Network.